All right, man. More questions from the community. These are my favorite. I think they give a nice little insight into what the boots on the ground affiliate owner and coaches have to say and what they're thinking. And uh, to be honest, it stretches me. I don't know about you, but it does stretch oh, me yeah, a little bit man. to uh, try to think through some of these scenarios and, and offer some uh, hopefully useful advice. I like that anything's fair game too. I mean, whatever you yeah. got, just, just throw it out there. We'll get to it. So we've got a two-part show today. There's a bunch of great questions that I have in the queue that we'll get to eventually. So if you have submitted a question, you're like, these guys are ducking me. We're not, you know, we're not doing that yet. We're just, things are, we keep sending them in and we'll get to them. And some of them are repetitive, so et cetera, et cetera. But there's two today that are great, but I don't think either one is enough for a full show on its own. So hence why we'll do two. So here's the first one from Jorge M. Says, love it. Really coaching is hard and doing one workout with all its due practice before is very rewarding. Ah, okay. He posted this under the show that we did about how you can get better at skills while just doing the one workout of the day. Mm-hmm. So here we go. There's a few topics in my, in my head wondering that I could share with you in case you find it useful to chat about. Do you like to use the term, quote unquote, for quality when explaining the aim of a workout that should be done slower than usual? maybe even without paying attention to the time or rounds? Or do you feel like there's a better way to communicate that particular stimulus, i.e. not for time? I feel like quality should be kept in mind on every workout, specifically if it is understood as mechanics, but I might be over-concerned with particular words used these days, etc., etc. By the way, he says Spanish is my first language, so maybe I'm you know, not writing this out properly. For him here to tell you, you wrote it out perfectly, beautifully, and yep. your English is, is spot on. So you're solid there. So I guess for quality versus for time and terminology, phraseology, do the waters, waters get muddy? Do you prefer one over the other? No, I don't really. I think that at the, at the heart of this, you're just really trying to convey that this is not meant to be an intense session necessarily. That's not the focus. The intensity will likely find you anyway, as it tends to do when you're doing movements that have a, a high probability that they can express some power. That's just going to be part of the nature of it. Um, but, you know, the whole concept is today's not the day to just hold your hand right over the flame. Today's the day to really take stock of the way that you're moving. Um, and I don't think that that necessarily creates a situation where it creates the inverse tacitly when you don't say that. And so I guess Jorge's concerns, if I'm reading it correctly, is that if I say sometimes this is meant to be done for quality, what I'm implying is that the other times I don't care about quality. And and that's not the case. And I think that's one of those things that you can be pretty overt with your uh, members and your athletes when you talk to them, even during those more intense sessions. It's like, hey, Intensity doesn't mean it's a free reign, just kind of yard sale of a session. You still have to be, you know, working the the controls, so to speak. Um, <laughs> yard however, sale is a great <laughs> phrase. That got in my head. I wonder if somewhere in the world there's a yard sale CrossFit. If that's the name of the affiliate, <laughs> there should be. If there isn't one, oh man, that's what we used to call it when you crashed when you're skiing because you lose a glove yeah, yeah. over here and your ski was over there. But you know. Um, some people do take that approach to working out and, uh, you know, often it doesn't hold the test of time. But anyway, to, to get back to it, I don't have a problem with either one of those phrases. And I think that 
like we say so many times, this really comes down to an on- ongoing conversation that hopefully you're trying to impart mm. to your members. Um, that's really part of that larger education piece so that they can make good decisions, regardless of what you're focusing on for the day. Well, you know, largely we find ourselves in agreement to people, you know, one of the topics people ask every now and then is like, hey, like, what do you guys disagree on, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And since we've walked similar paths, you know, there's a lot of overlap there. You know, you said you you don't really have a big issue with, you know, one phrase or the other. And this might be our fork in the road. I'm here to tell oh, you. okay. The phrase for quality, I despise it. <laughs> I, I, I hate it. I loathe it. Um, it tell drives me, me I want to know. It <laughs> drives me crazy. And this might just be me reading into things. I think it reeks of being pretentious. I don't wow. like it. So go, it's like, today I moved well. You did your for time mm, work mm. and I moved for quality. All right. You know what? It, it, because truthfully, like you said, as we've said before in the show, every single solitary workout is or should be, I should say, for quality. Like if you're doing a workout for time, that should imply you're moving as fast as you can move well, as fast as you can move properly. And if you're not moving well and you're not moving properly with a high degree of quality, then you should be slowing down. You should be taking a break. You should be lowering the weight. You should be resting. You should have made a different decision. There's not really a a workout that's like, okay, today's the reckless day. It's like, no, no, no. Like <laughs> it's, it's always moving well. It's supposed yeah. to be mechanics, consistency, and then intensity. That's, that is steeped and wrapped into once the clock begins. And just because the clock begins, that doesn't mean any of those principles you can now violate. And so the distinction in my mind is exactly like we just said, if, if you're saying that today is for quality, what the heck was yesterday? Because as far mm. as I know, it was important yesterday as well, and it's going to be important tomorrow. I get, you know, everything that you said and Jorge said and whatnot, but it just, it burns me a bit. I just don't like mm. it. Um, I really do prefer the terminology not for time, because then that explains that in my mind, that's like for time or not for time. We didn't say anything about quality because it's important in both of those arenas. One, you're just potentially racing the clock, one you decided not to run the clock, but there's there's not a lower quality day. What I would potentially prefer, rather than saying this is a for quality session, since I think they all should be, I would prefer identifying what you want to have that day with regards to the intensity. It's going to be mm-hmm. a low intensity effort, a moderate intensity effort, or we're going to get after it high intensity effort today. But whether we're choosing low, moderate, or high, all of that should be done with sound, proper mechanics the, the entire time. This should all be done for quality, whether you're in first gear or fifth gear. And if you can't do it in fifth gear, then you shouldn't be in fifth gear. You, know, you need to go down mm. a little bit as well. And I would say that also applies to not only just the pace at which you're moving, but if you're lifting, you know, you could lift, you can lift light load poorly or well, or heavy load poorly or well. So whatever it happens to be, all that needs to be adjusted. And then I would, I would prefer for time or not for time. And then if more clarification is needed, let's talk about what we have in mind for the intensity of today's session. But that's just my baggage that I bring to the table. 
Hey, fair enough. I, uh, I think that's totally a viable opinion. Um, one thing that you kind of jogged my thought process around is this idea of practice and skill only being developed at low levels of intensity. And, and I agree with you in that regard that, you know, part of building a skill is can you execute, execute that skill under a difficult condition? That is truly being skillful. It's not mm. a skillful execution if you've got perfect conditions, no intensity, no distractions, no fatigue. That's a great beginner that can perform under those conditions. But when you're tired, when there are other things that you have to also be executing well, um, when the load is challenging for you, all of these factors start to compound on themselves and you can still execute well. That's the mark of a truly skillful individual. And you can see that in any domain that's not exclusive to exercise. You know, you, you've ridden motorcycles in the past. I ride motorcycles. I am not an expert by any means, <laughs> nor do I. I really have any interest. But if you were to take me to a motorcycle track, I could navigate the track at the speed that I'm comfortable at. There is no way that I could hold even a close candle to a professional riding that same track mm. because their degree of skill is so much higher than mine. They can display that skill under a much more stressful situation. So I, I think that's another layer of nuance here when we start talking about, you know, quality or not for time. I get the intent and I think, you know, we both agree practice is very important and, and there yep. should be times where you dedicate less intensity in the name of practicing. No, no question there. However, don't lose sight of the fact that practicing under difficult conditions is a good idea from time to time. You just have to find that appropriate threshold for where the person is at that time. So I would say, Jorge, you know, terminology is, you know, one person might gravitate towards one yeah. or another, but I feel like the underlying intention, everyone's on the same sheet of music. And Jorge even said it in his question, like movement quality should be paramount regardless mm -hmm. of the day. So you got it. So then it just comes down, Jorge, to how are you communicating this to your members? And if in, in, if in your mind there is a difference when you say to your members for time and then on a different day you say for quality, as long as you communicate in your community what that means, you're, mm -hmm. probably, you're probably good to go. So I would say that's kind of my, yeah. my wrap up on, on that one. Yeah, I agree. I think it all comes down to what does the coach want you to focus on for the day? And there's a time and a place for, for all of it. And as long as that's clear, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty agnostic about the term. Uh, let's see. Uh, and, you know, hey, and I am, I am saying this as somebody that's, you know, I've got some dents in the fenders from uh, <laughs> things that have been incorrectly. There was many a time <laughs> in my life that I, I did whatever it would take to get a good time in a workout. Wish I had mm. a time machine. I don't. Um, so trust me, I have, I have been down both roads. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me, I'd all say one thing on the other end of that too. And, you know, not to uh, uh, be too wishy-washy because I think this presents the other side of the coin, but I, you know, people aren't delicate either and Agreed. you can't keep the kid gloves on. And so uh, maybe this goes without saying, but you can't approach things with the mentality that it's all or nothing either. And that one deviation from this uh, arbitrary, perfect movement, which doesn't really exist. Yes. If as soon as that happens, you shut the whole thing down, that's not useful either. And so you're really trying to navigate between those two bumpers. That's always going to be the trick when you're coaching. And that's always going to be a moving target as the individual progresses, as your coaching skills get better, as that, uh, you know, whatever, the person may have some ups and downs in their life that creates a nonlinear 
a period of time where they were very skillful, but for whatever reason, they are not currently. You know, there's lots of factors that go into it. But at the end of the day, you're looking for this, you know, balance between the two extremes. Mm -hmm. If there's no intensity and it's just perfect conditions to practice, you're never going to advance that far. If you never let somebody get the uh, break off, so to speak, and have a little bit of the speed wobble develop, they're never going to truly maximize their potential either. So don't fear those minor deviations. People are robust and durable. That doesn't mean you have to be risky. But No, 100%. Yeah. And we could probably go down a rabbit hole for longer than we want here. But but there's a lot there that now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if we've done a whole show on it or not, but, but you're right. Nothing that we've just said, you shouldn't confuse safe, acceptable, solid movement with a perfect movement. And, yep. and if you're like, well, no, you would never do a single back squat, a single jerk. Like there's always probably something like, ah, okay, I could have done this a little bit better. So we're not looking for perfection. It's got to be safe. It's got to be technically yep. sound. And then your goal is to just advance at an appropriate challenge level that keeps that athlete within that realm of, of acceptable movement while adequately stressing the system. And as they do that, they adapt and they improve and you stress them. They adapt and they improve. And if you never allow that stress, whether it is loading or pace or whatever it happens to be, hey, they're not on the couch. That's great but you will not be optimizing their performance for sure. And so, yeah, you're mm -hmm. right. There is that. And that's, and that's the role of the coach. And that's, that's yeah. largely also what you get paid for to do there, right? Not mm -hmm. just sipping your Starbucks, starting the clock in the 5 p.m. class. It's, you know, and it's not just the, what we covered on a previous show of before the workout begins, leading through the workout, having some time set aside to improve your technique because that's what they're paying for you for there as well to get them better at these movements. Coaching, right? Shocking, coaching. But then once the clock begins, now you got to really earn your stripes mm -hmm. as a coach yep. because before that, the clock wasn't running. So they were probably actually listening to you. It didn't have like <laughs> workout brain going on and all that stuff. But now mm. the clock started, you turned up the tunes a bit, you know, their IQ drops 58 points and all of a sudden they're just going for it, you know, and you see something you don't like and you're trying to communicate it in real time while it's happening. Mean, that's a coach right there. You know, that's exactly what we're talking about. This this wonderful, you know, that threshold training of keeping people moving within their range and pushing them, but not too much that you're getting into an area that you think is is potentially reckless or negligent or unsafe. And that's that's when a coach shines and it's tough work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could not agree more. And I think that that is uh, the mark of a, a coach that's way more mature is when they are just as comfortable, if not more so, once that three, two, one go hits than they are pre any sort of intensity. Mm -hmm. All right. Good one. That really good one. So thank you, Jorge, for that one, because it yeah. also provided a great little, uh, a great little rabbit hole there. Next question is from Funky Cold 316. Dude, I love it. I love the name <laughs> Funky Cold. I do too. Okay. This is what Funky Cold had to say. Love the pods uh, podcast. Appreciate that. Future topic for consideration. What is your take on members that might refuse to do certain movements that they're adverse to for philosophical reasons? Say they're not new to CrossFit, maybe they've been doing it for five years or more, 
and they are able to do the movements as prescribed, but will always opt out not to do certain movements like sumadella high pulls, GHD sit-ups, inverted burpees, etc., because they may favor other movements with similar utility without the risk of injury, even if they're able to do it. How should hmm. those conversations take place? Uh, member, coach, vice versa, etc. You know, like, listen, Funky Cold, just give them the boot. You don't need that kind of negativity in your gym. <laughs> I think Killing it's your just, vibe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, like so many things, I think this really just comes down to a conversation and just trying to dig into the motivation behind this behavior. Um, I think that I'll give you a perfect example on a personal level. And we've talked about this uh, actually just recently, I think, in one of the episodes we recorded over the last couple of weeks, where, um, you know, I don't do any behind the head movements when we start doing Olympic lifting, like snatch balances behind the head, that sort mm, of thing. Right. I have a history of really bad shoulders. It started happening when I was an adolescent, and they've just always been pretty beat up in those positions. And over the years, I've learned that it's just not worth it for me. And that's because the risk from my particular anatomy and my injury history just isn't worth developing um, time in that. It's not going to be something that I really have a lot of um, utility for or use for. So to me, it's like case closed. I don't really need to um, go down that road of exploration because I've already been down it. Now, that I think is probably the first thing to get to the bottom of when you have people that maybe shy away from certain movements is, okay, have you had a bad experience with this movement in the past? Is this stemming from some latent fear that was born out of a real situation? Because that's, that could that's be the case. That's what I was going to say. Is it, is it a real risk yes. of injury or a perceived risk of injury from a, exactly. hit, a hit piece that you read on the internet? Yeah, exactly. And, and there, there can be a lot in that. And, you know, if it turns out that somebody has been injured by something in the past or, you know, whatever, well, hey, that's a pretty specific situation. Maybe you better dig in there and figure out mm -hmm. what happened and, and make sure it doesn't happen again. And, and maybe for that person and their situation, it is appropriate that they avoid certain things at certain times. I think that's reasonable, depending on what that shakes out like. On the other hand, though, like you're saying, if it's just, hey, I heard third hand from a guy who heard third hand from uh, an article on the Internet. I was on Reddit. That, yeah, that this is bad. OK, well, maybe there's something in there that we can start to unravel uh, that shows that there is utility to some of these movements. And they can uh, even even without getting down into this uh, kind of serious level of they're just not that risky. On the other end of it, it's like they can be a lot of fun and you can learn some new things with them and it offers a fresh way for you to train. I mean, even that in and of itself can have a ton of utility, even if it's not your favorite movement at the outset. So I think digging in is the big one. Why does this person have this hesitation? Where, where are they getting their information from? Is it a personal experience or not? And then you can take the next steps from there. Yeah, that's it. I, I just want to know, is it valid and where does it come from? That's, that's yeah. the biggest thing. And if it's if it's the boogeyman that we're chasing that you read on the internet, we can have a conversation about why you shouldn't be scared of the boogeyman, et cetera, et cetera. And like mm -hmm. I said, if it's, if it's real and genuine, then by all means, I'm going to modify the workout, scale the workout, adapt it. If you've got something going on that movement A doesn't treat you well, easy day. I've got movement B for 100%. you. And life yep. goes on without even a blip on the radar. 
what I wouldn't want is if it was the boogeyman, that person then spreading that fear unnecessarily to other people about, hey, I can't believe the coach is having us do this. Can you believe it? I mean, this is yep. stupid. I read about it. That's, well, that's not helping anybody. That's, that's undermining. But that's if it's fictional and a confection and isn't based in reality. So we have to get down to that first. But then and I'll also say there's just some movements like the Summa Dela High Pole. I mean, that's, that's been around forever and ever. And I've seen, I'm sure there's somebody out there who has hurt themselves somehow doing a Summa Dela High Pole because there's somebody out there who's hurt themselves mm -hmm. doing jump rope, anything, doing yeah. jogging, doing everything in the entire world. Yep. Um, I've seen a lot of people work out. I've personally never witnessed anyone tweak themselves doing a Sumodelo High Pole, period, end of story. That doesn't mean it yep. doesn't exist, but I've got a, a fair amount of experience and haven't done it. That being said, as interesting as it is, I'd prefer to do a power clean, mm -hmm. personally, you know, but like, I, you know, I, I'll do the Sumodelo High Pole, but I prefer to do a power clean. So there's also a difference between like my personal preference and then do I actually think the movement's dangerous based upon my experience? No, I don't. I, I actually don't but I'd actually still prefer to do, do a different mood. So there's there can sure. be multiple layers in there as well. The GHD, I'm here to tell you, in the Sherwood household, there's a bit of a divide. So, <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and again, this is, you know, it's experienced CrossFitters that have been doing it for quite some time. When yeah. GHDs come up in the workout, my wife will just flat out tell you, I'm not doing them. They're a stupid movement. They should never be programmed. I, you know, don't like to have World War III in my house. So I say, great talking to you. I'll see you after the workout. And then I'll go in there and I do GHDs, but I don't do them to parallel, uh, excuse me, down touching the ground because that doesn't treat my body well. Um, my shoulders don't move in a normal range of motion. So for me to actually touch the ground, I'd have to do, it just wouldn't work well. So I do GHD sit-ups to parallel, have for years and years. And they are wonderful for me. They feel fantastic. Mm. I don't get shortchanged with my fitness. And my wife does something else. She does V-ups or she does hanging knee raises. She'll do something else. And both of us, whether we have strong, mild, or medium opinions on the particular movement, we'll do it as prescribed. We'll do it with a slight modification. Or one of us will actually do a totally different movement, but that still achieves the same you know, stimulus that we're looking for in that workout. And so... Um, you know, I've had conversations with my wife as to why I, I don't think that the GHD setup is evil based upon this, that, and the other thing and the setup of the machine. And, uh, you know, that conversation doesn't go anywhere. And so that's, that's okay. And so she does something else and, and, and bliss continues and we're, and we're all good. And so that same thing can happen with your, with your clients as well. And so I think each one of those is, again, is it the boogeyman? Is it reality? And then is it an individual case? Is it a personal experience? Did you see it on the internet? What it, what's, what's the basis of this? And whatever it is, I bet we can find a, a meaningful solution that everybody kind of marches forward on their fitness journey. Yep. I am right there with you. And I concur that, hey, if somebody, for whatever reason, just that movement isn't their cup of tea and they would just rather do something else and that's what's going to keep them motivated and fired up great whatever i'm not going to get too crazy about trying to uh you know push push any sort of dogma on them but i you said it and i cannot emphasize that enough that it can't trickle down to a negative mm. attitude that is then spread to other people if that's the case that's something that's a little bit different and you've got to shut that down because um 
that's just one person trying to project their either opinion or bad experience onto the group. And that's not really fair to the other members. And it's certainly not fair to you, the coach who is genuinely moving with good intent to try to teach people the right way to, to approach these things. So mm-hmm. that's something that you just need to make sure isn't happening in the background. Uh, for the record, I'm firmly in your wife's camp that GHD sit-ups suck. And if I never did another one again, <laughs> I, would be, <laughs> I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. Um, but in my case, it's because I'm not particularly good at them. And I don't know, maybe this is something that's uh, uh, similar. I know your wife has a gymnastics background. I do as well. Um, and in gymnastics, man, you do so many cycles from flexion to extension of the spine that there's a lot of overuse injuries that creep up from people that were competitive gymnasts. Mm-hmm. And I will say that if I attack GHD sit-ups without really focusing, it, it can be really tough on my lower back. But that's me. That's a me problem. That's because I have to really dial myself in to complete that movement well based on my own strengths and anatomy. Um, and so the frustration is like when a GHD sit-up workout shows up, I know that I'm going to be slow, slower than I want to be. And maybe slower than quote unquote, my fitness really allows me to be. Just do it for quality. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's funny because part of my aversion is that I know, and, and I hate to admit it, you know, because it is kind of an egocentric thing, but when a GHD sit-up workout shows up, I know I'm going to be slow because I know I really have to take my time to do the movement right for my body. And hey, that's not a bad thing. It's just something that I need to get over. And it's not the movement. It's my approach to the movement that needs to be examined. So, you know, that's a, that's a pretty uh, nuanced thing that can be tough to unveil if you don't have a really good rapport with the person that you're coaching. So, you know, take your time and kind of peel back the layers of the onion. And you'll be surprised sometimes at at what kind of comes forward after you start digging in with your, your people a little bit. Yes. And, and there's very few movements, maybe shy of like the squat that we can't swap out and still have a really, really high level of, of fitness happening. Right. If you think about what, it is you're actually trying to accomplish with that movement, right? And even with something as foundational and mission critical as the squat, you know, if for some reason somebody could not squat, and like we actually had this conversation a long time ago when Stefan Roche was in the podcast and he was talking mm-hmm. about training like collegiate basketball teams and these guys are 28 feet tall and yep. the angle of their body squatting, it does not feel good. So he would have them do lunges and things like that. So he, even if you couldn't do a particular move that was incredibly foundational, well, we can still develop below parallel strength. We can find another way to do it. And so if something like the GHD becomes off the table, okay, I, I can get you there through another direction. It'd be great to have that extra tool in my toolbox, but I still got a bunch others that I can use. And same with the sumo del of high pull, you know, inverted burpees, whatever it happened to be. We can, with some creativity, we can replicate what we're trying to do and we'll, and we'll do it and it'll be good. Yeah. So. Now, the last thing I'll say on that is, uh, and this, this can be a little bit harder to dissolve, but I do think it's worth mentioning that um, there can also be just a too cool for school attitude that develops sometimes. And I think part of that has to do with, you know, maybe they, maybe this individual has read some things, been around the block a little bit. And it's not through any desire to keep themselves safe or to, um, 
move in a direction that they think has more utility, it's entirely to kind of flex a little bit of experiential muscle, shall we say. And, and that happens from time to time where somebody's like, well, inverted burpee. I mean, I'm kind of above that. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Maybe that's the case. But again, it's, it, I think it's worth figuring out what is the real root cause here. Is it because you don't like this skill because you can't see the utility in it? Is it because you aren't very coordinated and it makes you feel like some of the other athletic prowess that you're able to show in other domains kind of goes away and you're a little embarrassed about that? Like, what is it really? Is it that like your time is so precious that you can't give up the 15 minutes that we're going to work on it here Mm -hmm. and you'd rather do other things? I mean, all of these things can kind of be in the mix, but they can be couched in this too cool for school attitude. And to me, that's a real shame. I think I mean, look, if we go big picture, man, I think cynicism is is one of the worst ways to work your way through the world. And and this to me is just a small expression of that kind of cynicism. And I don't I don't think it's a good way to approach training at all. Uh, certainly fine to have preferences, nothing wrong with that, but that's not always the case. Sometimes there can be something lurking under the under the hood that's a little more um, I don't know, just pointed. So watch out for that. I've said it before and I'll I'll stand by it. Strength and conditioning is easy. People are hard. <laughs> yeah. Amen. That's a you true know, story. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's amazing how well the fundamentals work. If you if people just marched yeah. through the door like robots and, and ate what they should eat and slept when they should sleep and and did intelligently designed workouts, they'd be just beasts of fitness in a year or two. Like the, the stuff works. It's just you gotta yeah. get people to buy into it and to be compliant and to be you know, consistent and make good choices. That's the tough part, really. Yeah, you know, I don't, I can't remember if I've ever said this on this podcast, but, uh, you know, our friend Dennis Marshall has a great statement. And uh, Dennis Marshall and his wife, Jen, uh, you know, co-owners of, I believe it's CrossFit Garden City. I don't know if that's still their name, but uh, they're out in Long Island in New York. Shout out to them. Great affiliate owners, great coaches, great people. And Dennis used to say all the time when he was um, teaching level ones, so he's, you know, used to, uh, I think, believe he still does. But anyway, great, great instructor. He would get questions about progressions for certain movements. And, you know, can we use different progressions or approach these in a different way? Mm. And he would say, sure, but I've never seen this one not work. And it was the same thing for his, uh, his approach to CrossFit. It's like, he's like, well, wh- why do you stick around and, and continue to do this? It's like, well, cause I've never seen it not work. Like if you oh, do the yes. thing, it will work. You just, you just have to do it. I, I might throw all my, um, motorcycle wreck concussions. You, you just, <laughs> you, you chatted about motorcycles earlier. Yeah. I might get this story wrong, but I'm, I'm all, I got to, since you mentioned Dennis, I think I got to give him a shout out. A long, yeah. long time ago back when I was on the road for CrossFit, there was a seminar happening. I can't remember where. It was somewhere overseas. I was somewhere else. And, you know, I was the flow master. So I had a bunch of, it was overseas uh, in Europe, I believe. So it was going to be a reduced staff. So I had like a big lecture load that I was Mm going to be doing for that weekend. And one of the other people heading over that way was Dennis. And there was, and he was much newer on staff. And there was some natural disaster that occurred, oh, like a volcano erupted somewhere or something like that. Yeah. And, there was, and I, I, I could not get over a, there. It was a big deal. I think it was a, a volcano in Greenland or something. Something like that. that and, yeah. And the entire northern hemisphere, like the uh, flights were shut down from yes. Europe to the United States for like a week. 
So wherever I was, I couldn't get there. And I remember texting, yeah, I remember calling, this. or emailing Dennis and being like, hey, these five lectures that I was going to give that you've never given, you're giving them tomorrow. <laughs> and, and by the no way, pressure. And no by pressure. the way, you're now in charge of the seminar, the timeline, the testing, the whole nine yards. And uh, dude stepped up to the challenge, knocked it out yeah. of the park. Yeah, he's a heavy hitter, man. He's a he's a great guy. So yeah, very uh, very cool down walk down memory lane there. But wonderful questions, everybody. Much appreciated from Funky Cold three one six. Love it. And Jorge, and you know this show proves as so many others do. It's you know Boz and I are here, but it's your show, everybody. So you've got questions, topics, concerns, whatever it happens to be, throw them out here. You know this is uh, this is your form, and we'll put them in the list and we'll get to them and we'll give you our most honest assessment of what we believe is the right answer with all, with all those things. So we much, we very much appreciate that. Go find this episode on the BTWB YouTube channel, go to the comments and then post those upcoming show topics. Or what do you think about what we discussed today? You have a similar view. You're totally, are we totally off track on something? We want to hear about it. And other than that, also in the show notes, Check out the VNR cycles. We've got a growing list of what we think is some really beneficial and useful content that really helps people achieve some skills like get your first pull up, your first strict ring dip, first muscle up, improve your handstand walking, some really good stuff. So check those out. For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.